0: Welcome to the Three Questions Podcast. We take questions from our church family and do our best to answer them with a biblical worldview. We all have the privilege to serve the Lord's Church here locally at Southern Hills Baptist Church. Doug Melton is our lead pastor. Randy Woodall is our pastor of missions and evangelism. My name is Daniel Snow. I get to be pastor to young adults. If this podcast is useful, please know you can you can share it, you can subscribe to it, um, anything that would be helpful. And uh, and i just want to start off by asking randy who has lived in peru if 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 we could only eat one peruvian dish what should it be
1: that's a tough one cuz they're all good but i would have to go with lomo saltado
0: which is which
1: is uh now you got to imagine this it's strips of beef onions peppers all of that put in a like a frying pan and and cooked And then at a certain point where that gets real good and juicy, then you pour in cooked uh, French fries in with that and let those French fries soak up all those meat juices. Then when it's all good and hot, you serve it over a bed of rice and then you put a fried egg and, uh, and fried bananas on top of that. Fried egg, too. That would be lomo saltado a lo pobre.
0: Man, I mean, you had me at strips of beef. Yeah,
1: it's it's really good. It is is a seriously good meal. That sounds really good. Yeah, your arteries are screaming for (laughs) help while you're swallowing, but it's still good. That is pretty awesome. Oh, but that Peruvian cuisine is outstanding. Yeah, you would love it. There's so much good stuff.
0: I'm going to take your word for it, and hopefully at some point I'm going to have some of that. Okay, so Doug, first question is... How do I answer on a child's level, say four to seven years old, when they say that they don't know how to be a Christian, but actually they mean that they don't know how to grow
2: in their relationship with Christ? First thing I would do is let that child know boy, anytime you have any questions, you come and and ask, and, and I love to talk about it. I think as parents, we always want to model growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so in the way that you're growing in your relationship with Christ, your child is going to be learning a lot about what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And and so we always need to make sure that we always have that uh, curiosity and that level of interest. I, I do want to continue to grow, and mm-hmm. our children need to see that in us rather than oh i've been a christian for a long time i don't need to do those things i don't need to read the bible or talk with the lord anymore because i've, I've been a christian a long time though no, our children need to see that freshness in our relationship mm-hmm. second i would say um, when in matthew 19 when jesus says let the little children come to me always encourage your child uh, you can as a matter of fact daniel i love the way you end this podcast God welcomes our questions. Mm. And so encourage your child that a part of that growing in your relationship is knowing that you can ask God anything. You can talk with Him. Questions uh, are okay. Questions are great, and, and doubts are okay. Yeah, absolutely. Struggles are okay. Uh, and, and so foster that in your children. Here, Here's the last thing I, I, I think I would talk about. Do you remember... We, the the this questioner has said I need to put it on the child's level. I need to how's the way that I can explain it to my child that they want to grow in their relationship with Christ. In John fifteen, Jesus says, "I no longer call you my servants; I call you my friends." And and so I I think I I might talk with my child about okay, so you know I had four sons, so so son. Let's let's say you have a new friend, and I, I would probably even mention one of them. Uh, you know th- that okay. I, I I know that one of you had a friend named Cody. Let's say, mm-hmm. uh, and and you and Cody have become friends. So if you guys want to become better friends, even closer friends, what are some things that you need to do to be an even a closer friend to Cody? Right. And I think a child, a four to seven year old child, might understand. Well, we would. Play together some more. Um, that yeah, that's right. You would want to spend some time with them. Um, well, what what are some other things? Well, I guess I need to talk to him and and uh, and even give him some things, you know, to show yeah. that I, I care about him. And uh, okay, so what if your friend? What if something he likes to play with Legos, and maybe you like to play with electronic things? Well, I, I should play Legos with him because I, I want to care about the things that he cares about. Mm-hmm. You guys, in, in when we as adults in growing in our relationship with Christ, it's essentially the same thing. I need to spend time with the Lord. I need to care about the things that God cares about. Yeah. I, I need to talk to him. I need to listen to him. And, and how do we get to know God better? We get to know him better through his word. And so I, I need to be reading his word. Okay. So all those things I think I would try to put on a child's level mm-hmm. to help them understand this is what it means to grow in your relationship with Christ. Quick disclaimer before my time is up. <laughs> uh, and and here would be the disclaimer. Every analogy breaks down at some point. For sure. And and so yes, Jesus does call us friends, and yet he is also Lord. That's right. And, and that that childhood friend is not Lord of mm-hmm. your life. He does not command you. As a matter of fact, in John 15, maybe around verse 14, Jesus brings that together in one single sentence. He says, uh, and if you're my friend, you'll obey me. If you're my friend, mm-hmm. you'll do what I command you. Yeah. He brings the two thoughts together. Yes, you're my friends. Yes, I'm also your Lord and Master. Yeah, it yeah.
0: seems like the friendship aspect of of God is not so much my, Jesus is my homeboy, which I think is comp- very disrespectful, but it's more on friendship status as opposed to enemy status. I'm now right. a friend instead of an enemy.
2: Yeah, that and the fact that Jesus said, uh, because a servant doesn't know what what's going on with the work, but I'm telling you, I'm revealing these things to you, yeah. And so yeah, it's right. helping you understand. You're on it's, the inside. It's, it's on the friend in the sense that I'm revealing to you all that the Father has told me. I'm, I'm revealing to you. That's yeah. good. That's good. No, I like that.
1: But and and that is a challenge. I know a lot of parents face is how to disciple your children. But let me just encourage you as parents: don't. Don't lose heart and don't give up because I think one of the greatest joys of parenting is to be able to disciple your children. Don't try to, you know, obviously we all need help, Mm -hmm. but don't try to hand that off to somebody else, whether it's a Christian school or a Sunday school teacher or your pastor, that's a that's a gift that God gives us is that opportunity to disciple our children, and in doing so, you may even find yourself growing as a disciple. Absolutely. And so uh, so I, you know, I think it's a great joy,
0: huge privilege. Yes. Okay, Randy. Your question is: Will there be animals in heaven? And specifically, what about our pets?
2: Oh boy. <laughs> this is a good, you're so so welcome. Thankful. So uh, thankful you got yeah. this question. Great time to have your children
1: leave the room right now. No, uh, no, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, this is, this is really, uh, the, 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 questioner did well in, in yeah. recognizing that there are two different questions because there's one is, is, will there just, are there going to be animals yeah. in the new heaven and the new earth? And the other one is, is my animal, mm-hmm. my pet going to, to be there. And, uh, and so we're going to try to deal with the two questions differently. First of all, obviously, animals were a big part of the original creation.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And and there was nothing else in creation that did have a special relationship with man than the animals. I mean, God made the animals and he, you know, like somebody has said, he didn't bring rocks forward for Adam to name, but he did yeah. bring all the animals yeah. uh, to him uh and 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 for so there was a special relationship there with the the animal world and the head of the king of the animals i guess so to speak which would be us you know man we were made and we were the only ones made in god's image and yet the bible also tells us there was not a suitable helpmate among the animals found uh, for Adam. So mm-hmm. while there is a unique relationship between men and animals as opposed to men and plants or men and you know inert creation,, yeah. um, it's not the same thing as a relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. okay. That's so good. God was in no way equating animals with human beings in in the priority of of creation. So with that said, we we need to avoid that uh, the 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 danger of trying to give animals the same qualities that humans had in creation. Now, when we go through and we read about the new heavens and the new earth, where there are a lot of verses in there from Isaiah into Revelations where it does appear that 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 there will be animals present.
0: Yeah, it references uh, animals.
1: Yes, it does. I mean, even even uh, at the time when Jesus comes back for the final Armageddon, it says that he and the host of angels will come riding white horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's that reference. Isaiah referenced that in the end times, you know, that the the wolf and the lamb would, would uh, eat together and the lion would eat straw with the ox. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so it does appear the animals will be a part of the new creation. There's no promise, but those references seem to indicate that. Um, but definitely not in the same relationship that we see animals now. Um, you know, there won't be the danger of, you know, of of venomous animals, yeah. or, you, or apparently lions aren't going to be trying to eat the ox. They're yeah. going to eat straw with the ox or and so, me they're not going to yeah, try to eat me exactly and so that hopefully yeah that's a, that <laughs> yeah that would uh either that or the lord's going to make us really fast yeah <laughs> but uh but so there it does appear there will be animals in uh in as part of the new creation mm-hmm. and you know while it's not a promise just references in scripture seem to indicate that now to go to the, the next level though and that is Am I going to see my fluffy, yeah. or my spot, or King, or Nero, or whatever you named your dog, or your 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 pet python, or whatever you know? <laughs> right. Is is he going to be in heaven? And so I don't really, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to belittle this or make light of it, but we do have to recognize that the idea of resurrection after death and eternal life biblically seems to be reserved for, for mankind. Mm -hmm. Animals, not even the angels get to experience the joy of salvation, Mm -hmm. the joy of redemption through the, 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 the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, what Christ did on the cross was to redeem sinful man. Mm -hmm. From what we know in the Bible, animals are incapable of sinning. Yeah. You know, they're not yeah. going to to sin. Jesus didn't come to die for the animal kingdom. He died for us, mm-hmm. those who bear the image and the likeness of God and yet chose to rebel against it. And yet, through mercy and grace, God still sent his own son to pay a price for us. So, um so I'm I would have to say that biblically there's nothing that would make us think that animals are resurrected Mm -hmm. that there is a um a pet heaven Mm -hmm. so to speak but we do i think have that that optimism that in the new heavens and the new earth animals as well as plants and uh you know and and the rest of creation is going to be there but not for our enjoyment it's going to be for god's glory and for god's enjoyment now let me end with this last thing we scripture does teach us, you know, that it says, you know, are you not worth more than, you know, the, the uh, than the sparrows, the, yeah. but God was aware when the sparrow falls to the ground. Mm-hmm. So there's value in that, but we need to be cautious with this idea that there is going to be any relationship in heaven that is going to be more incredible and amazing and wonderful than our relationship that we're that we're going to have with christ in heaven so i mean that's why we're told don't worry about it you're not they're not going to be married or given in marriage Mm -hmm. you know we like to in our Hmm. minds imagine heaven as this great reunion of our long lost relatives or our children who died preceded us or our parents in death and i don't believe that that that's going to be there while we may be able to recognize other saints in heaven that by far and away is not even going to seem remotely important to us when we get there the only relationship that is going to have incredible value and 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 enjoyment to us is that relationship that that incredible relationship we're going to have with god like we were created to have. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Thanks, Randy. Okay. And the last question we've got for today is, where did the idea of a pope or universal shepherd come from? And uh, so I just want to start kind of historically for a second and just say, where did that idea come from? It, it really kind of came in the, the second century, when the the church uh, was, is the early church that was was growing and expanding, and it was facing uh, false teachings and or heresies, you could say, and the big ones were Marcionism and Gnosticism, and we don't have time to get into those, but but they were false teachings, and and so they were basing, uh, they were saying those are false based on Scripture and as well as what became known as the apostles creed uh but but mostly scripture i mean that's that's where the authority lies that's where the ultimate authority lies but people started getting concerned like how can how can we say we're the church and these false teachings are not part of the church's teaching and and so people got kind of caught up in what might be called uh apostolic succession and it's the idea that we need to make sure that we have People who are maybe not biologically descended from the apostles, but were discipled by the apostles or a disciple of the apostles and, and on and on and on. And so um, so they got concerned about that and then and at first it was just about apostolic succession about it from any of the apostles, but then it really kind of started to center in on the apostle Peter. And and really the the passage of Scripture where that kind of came into focus was when uh, Peter had a real high point and low point in as they were walking along. Jesus and his disciples, they they walked and talked a lot, which is one of the advantages of relational discipling. And they had a lot of these conversations. and, And one day the conversation, Jesus asked them, so who do people say that I am? And they said, well, they say John the Baptist back from the dead, Elijah back from the dead, all these prophets. And then he said, what about you guys? Who do you say that I am? And Peter kind of spoke for the group, and he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus uh, said this to him in uh, in Matthew 16, 18. He said, uh, well, I'll start in 17. He said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And and right there, uh, so what the interpretation uh, s- kind of became, or, or amongst some believers at the time became, was that, okay, well then Jesus is referring to Peter as his representative of Christ on the earth. The, the 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 term is the vicar of Christ on the earth. It's representative of Christ on the earth. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and Peter or his successors are the representatives of Christ here on the earth, representing Christ as the shepherd of the universal church. And so, we'll, we'll, okay, so then that starts to put... Someone has said, "Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely," and I I think that's very true. Like, there's that's why there's always wisdom in plurality, um, in a group helping make a decision. There's there's wisdom in accountability, all that kind of stuff. Well, that puts um, whoever claims to be the successor of Peter um, in a position of absolute power. And, and so the idea was, well, okay, we're going to say Peter was the first pope or vicar of Christ on the earth, um, and his successors are going to have that same position. Well, that's a, a position of absolute power. And, and then the words of the pope uh, started to become church tradition, and that was being given as much authority as actual Scripture uh, oftentimes, to be honest, even more authority than actual scripture. And when the Pope speak would speak, and even still speaks, uh, what's called ex cathedra. It means from the chair. Um, it's considered to be inerrant words from God. Okay, so we don't. The problem is, is that we don't find that concept anywhere within the New Testament that Peter held some sort of special role of absolute authority or or um, uh, um, what? I'm, like divine insight. Yeah, divine or... insight, and um, that he was without error or anything like that because we see him corrected in the New Testament by Jesus, by Paul. Um, We see him at the Jerusalem Council in Acts where he is absolutely one of the people who is in that council helping give a decision, but he's one of many. And really it's James who gives kind of the final word. Like we don't see Peter having that role in the rest of the New Testament. We do see God using him, but we see God using him amongst others. And, And so I think... That verse of Matthew 16, 18, in the context where it is, Jesus is actually He's putting it the emphasis on Peter's confession of the gospel, when Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. That's really the gospel in a nutshell. Yeah. And um and he is he's putting the the weight on his confession as the rock on which Jesus will build his church. Jesus does a little play on words right there in the Greek language using Peter's nickname um, that apparently Jesus gave him and says, you are uh, this rock. Uh, this It's almost like stone, but on this rock of what you have just said, the gospel, I will build my church. So the rock, I think, rightly interpreted in that, that passage is the gospel or the you could even say it's Peter as one who proclaimed the gospel, but it's not Peter as the vicar of Christ on the earth. It's the confession, not the confessor.
2: That's good. That's great. And Daniel, I would even add in Second Peter chapter three, it's towards the it's the last chapter of Paul's of Peter's second letter, and Peter writes this. He says, "And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved Paul." Just as our beloved Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. Mm-hmm. Well, ev- even Peter was acknowledging, yeah. man, God is speaking through Paul in many of the matters that pertain to the church. It was not Peter. By himself, by or himself, yeah. not at all. That's, that's good. Right, that's right. That's really yeah. good.
1: And in fact, if you think about it, after the resur- after the the crucifixion, Peter seemed to be one of the first that sort of said, "Well, I guess it's over. I'm going back to fishing." You yeah, know I mean, that's he, right. Uh, he definitely, you would say, from his actions, there was nothing in his actions after the crucifixion that would have seemed to to indicate that he felt like. He had received some sort of special anointing.
0: Yeah, so. that's good, and I do think I really do think it started with good intentions to combat false teaching. Uh, but instead of just resting on the Word of God, right. they they came up with kind of something that is that added, and it was that's it wasn't a helpful. great.
1: That is a great life principle. There, if you look throughout history, there have always been attempts to try to undermine the authority of Scripture. And to try to deviate believers, whether individually or as a church, into looking elsewhere besides Scripture for divine insight or, or discernment and Authority. Uh, we just uh, that's right and we have to we have to combat that uh, at all costs and recognize that we do believe this is the inerrant Word of God, and it is sufficient to teach us all that God wants us to know.
0: It's really good. Okay. Hey, we always want to say thank you to you guys out there listening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And thanks to Jeremy Johnson for making this podcast happen. Um, He's our pastor of media and community outreach. And we want you to know we love your questions. You can turn them in by emailing Podcast at myshbc.com. That's the number three. Uh, You can go to the website, myshbc.com myshbc.com slash contact or you can text 505-258-2076. All questions will be kept anonymous and remember the God of the Bible is never surprised or offended by our honest questions.